like so many others, who you are is largely a result of your past. We have so many positive and not so positive experiences that we start to doubt ourselves and our place in this world. Let the healing process start now. Welcome to Shift Happens with Karin Weary. When you start to focus on healing from the inside out, you'll learn so much more about your own health, your well-being, and your state of mind. Once you've started on that, the rest gets a little bit easier every day. Now, here is your host, Karin Weary, and this week's co-host. The co-host today is Aida Serino Lee, and yeah. So, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I am so excited because you know what? Every single day we have an opportunity to make shift happen. You know, we life can come up and, and slap up upside the, the head. And, you know, we have to continue on somehow or another. And what we need in those moments is we need some really powerful tools and we need some really powerful networks. The more that we can create and build strong networks, the better off we're going to be. But it's not just that. We also need to actually reach out and use those networks. And many times, you know, we find that we are so much stronger than we think we are. Even when we are in our deepest, darkest, lowest times, when we feel completely wiped out and weak and there is nothing left of us, guess what? there's still more. And so when we can um, know that we will somehow or another, we don't know in that moment in time, how on earth are we going to move on, but we will, the better. So, uh, you know, and in the work that I do with uh, people as a therapist, I have spent 20 some years working with people in therapists and I use a very particular modality that, that is called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And I'm not going to get into that, but all I'm going to say about that is that it is a way to very effectively help people process events that have happened and helps the brain release it so that we can move on because otherwise the brain can very easily get caught up in this loop thinking that this is happening over and over and over again. And it's not something that we're doing. It's just biologically how our brains are wired. So this is a very effective way to help release it. And I had recently worked with someone who went through a horrendous tragedy in their life and literally lost their mind, you know, was going out doing crazy things, couldn't work, um, really jeopardizing the marriage and everything, and uh, was able to um, get a whole different perspective in just a few sessions working with me. And that gave her this sense of peace and being grounded again to where she can start living her life again and putting herself back together. So Aida, I want to have you share a little bit about the beautiful thing that you have seen happen in the work that you do, because you do some really powerful work. Well, I work with people's health. Uh, my name is Aida, like I was saying before, and I'm a holistic health practitioner. Uh, I call myself a bio, biohacking healer because I mm-hmm. like to help my patients or my clients to uh, control, manage, and reverse chronic diseases. And, you know, it's, it's in a holistic way you know, body, mind, and spirit. And that's the thing that people don't understand. Even when we're going to feel down 
places in our life, it affects our body. Everything mm-hmm. that happened in our spirit, everything that happened in our mind, everything that happened in our outside, it is reflected and manifested in our health and in our body. So what I do is that I help them how to control, manage, and reverse some chronic diseases. I had uh, a, a patient of mine, I call a patient because I was a nurse, so I so used to say patient, but <laughs> I had a client of mine that uh, suffered of pre-diabetes. Mm. You know, she, he lost his job. He was uh, sitting home, you know, doing nothing and eating out of anxiety, you know, and he became pre-diabetic after working with me for three months. He's no longer pre-diabetic. Wow. So that's, that's a difference that you can make right there. Yeah. And diabetes is a horrendous disease. It will eat you up and you, it's, it's horrible to see people just literally fall apart as we move along. Talk and, about big loss. Oh diabetes gosh. Big Tell loss. Me. Woo. Yeah. So thank goodness there are ways to reverse that. And that's one of the things that Ida is able to help you with. So, and it's huge. Now, our guest today is Karen Millsap, and she is a resilience coach and founder of Growflow Community. Growflow, probably, right? Growflow. I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All we right. Growflow grow with life. We make it easy. <laughs> I, I was thinking in the contract context, that must be what it is. Now, at, at only 29 years old, she suddenly became a widow when her husband, Richard, was tragically killed. On her journey of healing, she discovered powerful, life-changing habits that helped her rebuild her life and find a way back to a whole heart. Now, Karen guides others on how to feel better, live better, and achieve their goals in her masterclass community, Soul Care. She has also, her work has been featured in Forbes, on Good Morning America, on MSNBC, and a variety of podcasts. She's also a regular contributor to Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global Community. Wow. Karen, yeah, that's something else. And you are practically half my age and you're doing all this stuff already. So (laughs) (laughs) there's something wrong with this ambitious heart. (laughs) You are on fire, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, you know, a lot of kind of what you mentioned in my bio, those life-changing habits have a lot to do with what you all just mentioned, you Mm -hmm. know, just being aware that my emotional state and my mindset, you know, things that may feel out of control are really within my control and they do impact my physical well-being. And at the time I had a two-year-old little boy. So I, I was just trying to figure out how to survive. And that's how my mind became open to just how complex we are as humans and how much everything is intertwined. And so, yeah, I just went for the total well-being approach. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And probably I could imagine in that time there that having that little two-year-old boy that needed you uh, was something that also helped pull you along. Absolutely. You know, there was actually a moment where um, he came into the room and, you know, I was in such a a fog and a state of shock that I thought that there was some happy pill that would relieve this. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend took me to see a physician and they prescribed some antidepressants. And after a couple of days of being a zombie, he came in again at only two years old, came into my bedroom and said, you know, mommy, are you going to get up today? Are you going Mm -hmm. to eat? And it really struck me that I had those two options that I was either going to give up, which I wanted to, Mm -hmm. or I was going to get up. And that was, you know, putting just one foot in front of the other and taking it one breath at a time. But 
he definitely was my inspiration for that. Yeah. Oh, can I ask you a question? Did there was anything in your preparation in your racing that helped you to be so so resilient in this situation? Is there any way people can prepare for a situation of of that man, magnitude? You know, I can't say that there was. People ask me that a lot, Ida. They ask me if I naturally had this positive mindset and if that's what helped me to get through it. It doesn't matter how positive you are. When you experience a heinous murder, you are not positive. It, it just, it's not, it's not possible. And, and so, but I will say that I had great examples of resiliency in my parents, um, which I didn't even realize until after my husband died because my dad um, lives with a rare neurological disease called PLS. He's basically a prisoner in his own body and, you know, can't walk without help, can't talk loudly, can't write, you know, can't go to the grocery store. Um, wow. My mom has been his caregiver for 18 years and he's also had three bouts of cancer. And wow. so I saw all of this, but it didn't, it didn't. Um, trigger with me that that is also a form of grief. Yes. Wow. Losing who you are, losing your career, you know, life changing in a heartbeat. And so I will say that I had great examples of resiliency growing up. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think what I took ownership of was the power of choice because right. I felt myself yes. spiraling. And so it was really that, um, It was really that awareness that helped me to harness a new strength that didn't come like, you know, guns a-blazing, feeling like I was super strong and I knew I could do this. That, that wasn't it at all. Um, but I do think that that upbringing and, and having that, uh, those parents, those type of people around me, I do think that that played a part. Yeah, and it's incredible how subtle these uh, messages come across, you know, in, in the the environment that we are surrounded with, the behaviors and choices. And even when parents aren't teaching directly, they're not saying certain things, you see and you pick up on their energy and their actions and, and how, what their attitudes are and everything. It's, it's you know, like you said, the, the foundation. But, you know, even to any listeners, even if you haven't had that example, even if you haven't had, um, you know, the, those kind of positive people around you, you can still change your mindset and that is what shapes your quality of life. That's up to you. There's exactly. no predisposition that is going to keep you in this mindset. It's absolutely your power and your choice. And if you, if you harness that, then you can shape your quality of life. Would you say that you had to make that choice daily or is something that you yeah. make a choice at the beginning and it was kept? Or do you fight with it, making the choice? Do you feel sometimes like, oh my God, I want to give up or I don't want to continue? Who doesn't want to give up? Life is hard. <laughs> you know, I think that we underestimate the days where we are pushing through and, you know, we're up 10, 12 hours and then we're overwhelmed and we're stressed and we're frustrated. And yeah, you hit a point where you are on the verge of burnout. And mm -hmm. so, and, and also sometimes we don't identify other losses and changes as grief, but they do produce that emotional distress. And then when, again, we get to that point of burnout or we are just completely weary, then we wonder why we feel like giving up because we've been, you know, putting out so much. Now yeah. for me, it was the initial choice to take responsibility for my healing. That was the, I'm going to get up. But then it was a day-to-day -day choice, you know, and even now I feel like we never stop grieving. We just learn how to manage it in our life. 
Mm-hmm. And so even now, you know, a couple of days ago, I was sitting out back, I'm visiting my sister uh, this week and I was looking at the stars and I was overwhelmed with sadness, missing my husband, that he wasn't there just looking at the stars with me. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, but, but it doesn't mean that I want to give up. Right. It just a lot. Now this strength and this resiliency that I've been able to cultivate allows me to embrace those moments and not see them as moments of weakness or defeat, but just as real life moments. Oh, I love how you pointed that out because here's the thing is that I hear and see so many times how people, they're going through grief and they're like, I, I can't cry and I can't because I have to be strong for everybody else. As though people associate tears and crying with weakness. Tears and crying are not weakness whatsoever. It doesn't really mean waters. you're just a, yeah, you're a human being and you are releasing normal human emotions for a a particular situation that has happened and you have to release because if you don't release it, it gets stuck in your body, it gets stuck in your psyche Mm -hmm. and it comes out somehow or another, whether it's that you are grumpy or depressed or anxious or whatever, or physically with stomach aches and the heartaches and and, and acid burn. And migraines (laughs) and stroke and yeah, I've seen it all. All of that. So please, please, please do not ever believe that crying is a weakness and that you crying with someone who is grieving is not being there for them and not being strong. On the contrary, I mean, what would you say, Karen, were some of the things, because I, I heard your TED Talk and um, I was crying. That's why I have my, my tissues right here. <laughs> yes. <just> in case. <laughs> I know, I know. We have to warn I'm prepared. people. <laughs> I'm prepared. <laughs> well, you know, I actually tell even my clients, I, I do one-on-one coaching and also group coaching. And in my one-on-one sessions, I tell them I'm a crier. And mm-hmm. I will cry. I cry watching America's Got Talent. And I cry mm-hmm. when I watch the soldiers come home and embrace their kids. Like I am a crier. Yep. And I will sit there in a coaching session. And if I let tears fall, I just feel like a weight is lifted from them to try to not have to be so stoic or perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, we, I'm meeting you where we are and we're doing life together. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Do you ever get clients that it's not that they don't want to cry, but it's like, if you cry in front of people, then you have to hear all these negative uh, responses. Mm-hmm. I lost my father about a year and a half ago. And I had that experience. I was like, I always try to keep it strong because I didn't want to hear all the negative, like things like, uh, for example, oh, but at least your father uh, was, um, you know, live a long life at 77. You know, my daddy died in a very suddenly. He was a healthy as a horse. He wasn't mm-hmm. taking no medication at fall contribute to having three consecutive uh, brain surgeries and he passed. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody always said, oh, but he already lived a long life. You know, you already knew that he was going to die. But, you know, I never felt like, because I knew when that that time between the surgeries and the, the time he died was six months. But, and I knew that he was going downfall, but it didn't take away the pain or the grief. Right. And people come, you know, how do you, the people can battle that kind of comments? That coming around them when they go into a grief or to a loss, whether well, first, it's a work, whether it's a death. 
Yeah. Yeah. The first thing is I think we have to acknowledge that we're very awkward in society when it comes to grief. And so sometimes we say those things, not because we think it's actually consoling them, but because we're uncomfortable with the other person's emotions. And so, you know, with that mindset, if somebody comes to you and says something insensitive, I would just give them a little bit of grace to know that they probably don't know what to say. This is uncomfortable for them as well. Um, You'll really see somebody's intentions in somebody's heart. If there's people would say, Oh, you're so young, you're going to get married again. Even if I do, that doesn't replace the loss of my husband. That doesn't make it any easier. So I think it really just kind of be understanding and and create an emotional, healthy boundary so that you're taking responsibility for your healing and not allowing other people's words to shape your experience. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of great information here because this is a uh, topic that tends to be very uncomfortable and maybe even uh, border on the taboo line there. So this is really good to be able to get this out there and that it's okay to talk about because guess what? We are all going to experience it. It's just a matter of when and how and how many times. So we really want to get this out. So we're going to have a lot more great tips because Karen, she's come up with some uh, very specific ways to help some really powerful tools to help people get through. And also what I want to do, I want want to challenge you to go ahead and subscribe to this show here so that you will never miss an episode because we have lots of great stuff for you that will help you shift your life into a better place to where you want it to be. Because guess what? I don't care where you are in your life. There's always another level. And That is exactly why I'm doing this show here because I always want to get to a higher level and a higher level and a higher level. Doesn't mean that that I'm not going to slide back every once in a while, but like Karen was saying and Ida was saying that we can always move on and harvest that inner strength. So that's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Go ahead and subscribe. We're going to have lots of great challenges for you coming up and uh, simple little things And uh, so hang on, we're going to be right back with some really good life hacks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Shift Happens with Karin Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to Karin W. at InsightsCounselingCenter.com. Remember that Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N. Now, back to Shift Happens. We are definitely shifting and we are talking about shifting in our in our mindset, in our emotions, and in particular when it comes to grief. And one of the things that uh, came up earlier was how uh, many people would, you know, try to get you to go to a doctor and get medication. And, and you know, you, you tried that out and there's a time and a place for that. But I, I just find how we are very uncomfortable in our culture with emotions. Like if you yeah. have a strong emotion, let's squash it. Oh, gosh. You know, because we can't handle emotions. And again, it's that we, that release when we squash having those emotions, I think we're, we're doing harm to us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the more we suppress it, the more we're running the risk of it manifesting itself in unhealthy ways. For sure. For sure. Can you walk us through the stages of grief? I don't, I don't believe in them. (laughs) So I, my first counselor that I went to told me about the stages of grief. And I said to her, well, then you need to tie me up and put me in the loony bin because I feel all of those every single day. <laughs> like I literally am on a, on a roller coaster. So because she was explaining that to me, I thought something was wrong with me. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Now, what I found now through, you know, my own work and, and really diving into research and different studies is that when that was created, it was the stages of grief for somebody who knew that they were dying. Hmm. Oh. it's not if you hear or you go through that with somebody else. So it's if you found out you have a terminal illness, hmm. what I think happens uh, with grief is it just gets really, really messy. And because of that, I think we could have a proactive approach by really talking about self care and mindfulness and, and, and talking about the tools like the um, EMDR, right? Like how are we taking care of ourselves in our total well-being, because mm-hmm. that is mastery preparation for the time of crisis. Yeah, and so that's what I was able to learn. Absolutely, and when I, because I do, uh, you know, I go out on on crisis calls as well. And mm-hmm. what I always, whether it's on a crisis call or with somebody in my office, I always explain grief as being on a roller coaster and it's all over the place and it can be one second to the next it could be once a day it could be you know once a week and it just depends and even I tell I have to tell you I love you know I um 
can can also uh, empathize with your son. I don't know what his experience is like, but in what kinds of things that you've seen from him, which I'm interested in hearing about also. But I lost my dad when I was five and that was a huge, huge loss. That was my biggest loss because, you know, I was daddy's little girl. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I understand what that's like and, and had that experience early on. And and what are some things, because your, your son was only two, so that was mm-hmm. quite a bit younger. What what are some things that you've seen from him? Well, first, I recognize that our, our memory doesn't really begin to form until we're about four, maybe three, but usually around four. So he doesn't have a vivid memory of his dad. However, you know, Richard's pictures are still up all around the house. We celebrate his birthday. Like he still has a relationship with his dad, more of a spiritual relationship at this point. But I have noticed that as he developed, you know, into those ages where they start to, uh, their mind is working in more of a narrative way and a Mm -hmm. storyline, how he started to ask more questions, wanting to understand the detail of how his dad died. You know, mm-hmm. I told him daddy lives in heaven now with God. And that kind of bought me a couple of years. <laughs> but, but even still, even though I told him that, which is, uh, I didn't know what to say the next day when I came home. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I told him that. And then a few months later, it was around um, New Year's Eve. He said to me at only, you know, almost three years old, he said, mommy, I want daddy to come down now. I want him to come home. I don't want him to be up anymore. Yeah. And so it went from that to, you know, fast forward now where he's eight years old and just about a month ago, he had a breakdown at night and he said, I want my dad here. Like he should be here. Why isn't he here? It's not fair. And now yeah. he's understanding that life is unfair. Yeah. Um, yet he still celebrates him. You know, he knows his favorite fruit was watermelon. He knows that he loved basketball. Um, I, I think that what I worried about most with my son was him trying to digest the way his dad died because yeah. it was so violent. Yeah. Um, and so we haven't really had to work through too much of that trauma there, but it has come up certainly, you know, the circumstances of his death. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you were talking about the, the, how the grief, it, it changes, you know, even now it's 45 years later, I can still have moments where I cry and I feel overwhelmed. So, you know, that grief is, is just interesting. Mm-hmm. And I grieve for him, you know, the fact that yeah. he'll never really feel, I mean, when, when we found out I was pregnant with a boy, Richard literally screamed in the ultrasound office. Like he was so excited and, and he mm-hmm. had Caleb with him everywhere. And it breaks my heart Aww. that Caleb will never feel that, you know, tangible love from his dad. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it just, it progresses, you know, yes. as life does. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when did you decided to turn your, your, your energy that you have from the lost and channel it into helping other people? How that well, came what, about? Yeah, what's interesting is about a year after Richard died, within the first year, there were little glimpses where I felt God was kind of pressing on my heart to say, you're going to take this pain, you're going to turn it into purpose, and you're going to pay it forward. I didn't know what that meant because I was like, I can't even get up and shower today. I don't know what you mean, but that's just too lofty of a goal for me. Yeah. Um, but it was about a year later that I started thinking, well, maybe I'll form a nonprofit that helps widows transition back to the workplace because that was really tough for me. Mm-hmm. And so I experienced all of these different losses and changes. And one of the last big band-aids to be ripped off was selling my home. 
Mm. I ended up closing on it on a Friday. Monday, I walked in and I was let go from my job. So I thought that was the biggest band-aid, but it was not. I had no idea what was to come. And it was when I was walking down to my car with my box of stuff and I got into my car and I'm just crying. I'm thinking, what the hell am I supposed to do now? I mean, I was like, that was it. I was done. I, my confidence was shattered. And as soon as I thought that my tone changed to wait, what am I going to do now? Mm. I can actually do anything I need to. I could grieve for six weeks without somebody pulling me in different directions. Like I can. And so I did, I took six weeks to really just grieve without being so busy. And then I decided, okay, now let me figure out. So it was about a year um, and a half after Richard died that I started to take steps But man, it has been a journey over the last five years to really refine the message that I want to take to the world. Yeah. Yeah. And how many people have you impacted already that you can tell a number? I don't even know the number, which is what's (laughs) insane. I had people, for example, uh, when they aired my story on Good Morning America, and they only did a glimpse there. The full episode is on Robin Roberts' Thriver Thursday uh, series. And and even hearing, I heard from people all over the United States. But there are times where I'm on podcasts and I hear from people all over the world. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know. And, and honestly, Ida, I did not start keeping track of the individuals that I was impacting because at first, for the first four years of my business, I didn't charge anything. I would create eBooks and infographs. I would do lives. I would do, you know, wow. anything I could, and I would just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And so it was reaching people. I had no idea because I wasn't interacting with them. And now that I've created this interaction, now I can start to see those relationships being formed and the lives that are being impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have some really powerful um, tools. And so you want to share what some of those are and how you came about those? Yes, sure. So um, one is just, I'll tell you what it is quickly because it's an infograph, but there is a technique if we get to it now or a little bit later, I definitely want to dive into it because it's a mindfulness technique. Um, But just really quick, if you are in the midst of grief and you're like, okay, what are some things that I should think about, consider so that I can have a healthy healing journey? Mm -hmm. Then I created the HEAL method. H stands for healthy boundaries. E stands for embrace emotions. A stands for accept what is. And L stands for love yourself. Now, I created an infograph. You can go onto the website. You can download this. But what I found was I was trying to figure out what was my pathway back to a whole heart? How did I rebuild my life? And so these showed up in different ways. But those are really the four buckets that helped me to create an unbreakable foundation to build that resilience, to change my mindset. And one that I'll focus on just briefly is accept what is. Mm. accepting something does not mean that it is okay. It doesn't mean that it is justified. It doesn't mean that you are happy with the outcome. Mm. Accepting what is means that you are acknowledging your starting point. Yeah. That's it. That's powerful. Really powerful. You know, and here's the thing is that the more we resist what is, the harder it gets. It's like, ah, digging your heels in the ground. And rather than, you know, when we, and this is the analogy that I like to use, you know, because we we try to row upstream against the current and it's hard, you know, but if we can turn the boat around and flow with, hence 
growth flow, right? Yes, that's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. See, I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then it, it again, like you said, it's not going to make it okay. It's not going to make it easy. But you're not using all this extra energy to fight what is because right. it is what it is for goodness right. sakes yeah yeah and and then the other technique that I think you know along with that because we can't change our circumstances and there right, are right. events that we can't change so how do we show up in that and that's a technique stop and shift my, my mom said to me Karen what do you think it was in the beginning of your journey that helped you to start this on this healthy path and it didn't even take me a second I said it was my mindset mm. it was my mindset. And so then I laid on the ground, kind of like in Wakanda style. I'm like, okay, what do I, how do I explain (laughs) this to people? (laughs) And so I just thought to myself, what am I literally in my head? What am I doing to move from the positive thoughts or the negative thought cycle to a positive thought cycle? Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, first what I'm doing is I'm stopping those negative thoughts. And so then I said, well, I'm not just stopping them because if you silence them for too long, then what happens? They just come right back. But then I have to shift it in a positive and a productive uh, uh, manner. Well, stop stands for silence thoughts on purpose. If you can silence your thoughts, if you can become aware of them and then separate from them, that is the very, very first step before you're even getting towards the, okay, now what do I do with this? You have to silence those negative thoughts on on purpose. And then when you shift, you are going to see, which is the first S, you're going to see hope, intentions, facts, and then new thoughts. During any scenario, you may see one of those or you may see all three. But typically, whether you are in an argument with somebody and you need to stop being defensive so that you can work towards a productive solution, Mm -hmm. or if you are spiraling because you're working through a really tough time, you're going to look at any of those and it will help you to see new thoughts because we can't stop these thoughts from coming into our mind, right? The negative ones. We we can't. We're never going to be immune to them. But what we can do is we can acknowledge them and then choose to separate ourselves from them so that we can be more conscious of our words and our actions moving forward. Um, I have a question. When when you're in the stage of accepting what it is, Mm -hmm. what role does forgiveness play into into that uh, into that picture? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because uh, one of the things that's so unique also to, to the story is we still don't know who killed my husband. Mm, wow. So I had to journey through forgiveness without having closure. Right. Mm. That's not easy. Right. And so for me, forgiveness was not necessarily, um, you know, this, this heartfelt emotion As a matter of fact, I don't believe that forgiveness is a feeling. I think it's a choice. Mm -hmm. I feel the same. Yeah. And so my choice to forgive this man and, and even other people who I felt like were unkind during my journey or just not understanding, you know, again, the forgiveness came to say, I understand that you did what you did based on your mindset your choices, your life, your, you know, and I don't have control over that. And so more so is that I feel compassion for you. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness to me, that choice was because what I felt towards those people was compassion. Yeah. Yeah. 
people have to understand that when you, I don't know how you feel about when you forgiving, but forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. No, it does not. Because you forgive, but it doesn't mean that you're going to forget. That doesn't mean that you, let's say if, you, if the situation wasn't as severe as yours, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to have a relationship again with that person. That's you know, you know, I mean, the way I see it, if they are in an emergency and I can lay the hand, maybe, but it having a daily basis, friendship or things like that, it might not happen the same right. way as prior the offense. Right, 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 right. And, you know, really with that, I think when you consider forgiveness, you're saying like, I'm not going to let your behavior have control over me. Right. That's what that means. You know, I've, I forgive you for acting like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I, for, I forgive you for saying something to me that was insensitive because you didn't realize it and you were in your own world. Or, or maybe you're taking something out on me. You know, it can be really minor. It can be an interaction in the office. Yep. I forgive you because I'm releasing what that interaction could do as having a hold over me. I'm releasing that by forgiving you. And, and again, having compassion for that person. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, we don't know what other people are going through just as we are going through stuff, other people are going through stuff. And even when they do something unforgivable, it's something horrible was probably has or is going on and that doesn't make it okay to do what they're doing. But again, like you said, we will hurt ourselves so much more and keep ourselves in this painful situation so much longer when we hang on to wanting to be angry and hateful. And, and that doesn't mean you don't need to take maybe some time to allow yourself to have that anger and hatred, you know, so that you can, again, so, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to stuff it. Like we were talking about, we don't want to get it out, but we don't want to fester it and make it stay longer. Now, I definitely want to, in the next session, um, to go ahead and do that exercise because I think that would be really good. Uh, get us back in the good place and, uh, and have something real tangible to uh, practice. And in the meantime, you guys can go ahead and subscribe to Shift Happens because we are making a lot of shift happening today and every week, and we don't want you to miss anything. So go ahead and do that, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more. How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Shift Happens with Karin Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to karinw at insightscounselingcenter.com. Remember that Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N. Now, back to Shift Happens. Yes, and we are back. And we have been talking about a lot of things that with regards to grief, and which is a topic that can be a bit taboo and that nobody really wants to talk about because it's painful and it really uh, tugs on our heartstrings. And uh, I do have a challenge. We have a challenge today, Ida and I, uh, for you, because you know what? We all need a support system. And many times we can tend to isolate ourselves and we want to be strong and I don't need anybody and I don't want to be burdened and this, that, and the other. Uh, But we are social beings and we do need other people just as other people need you. And, you know, many times I think we, um, other people that really care about us and love us do want us to reach out when we need it because now they feel that you trust them and love them enough to, um, to do this. So our challenge for you this week is to go ahead and identify one person that you feel that you trust and that you can talk to. And then what we want you to do is to go on our Shift Happens Facebook page and go ahead and post when you've done this. So we are going to every week have a challenge and then we are going to have you post on there when you've done the challenge. And then we're going to pick somebody that'll get a random, uh, randomly who will receive a gift. So um, now Karen Millsap is our guest today. She is a resilience coach and the founder of GrowFlow Community, which helps people get back on their feet. She became the uh, um, member of a club that nobody wants to be a member of ever, the Young Widows Club. And so uh, you, uh, we were talking about, you know, some powerful tools. Um, and what are some, you know, you, you brought up a couple, the, the HEAL method. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so what, would you say is, you know, another, you know, do you have anything, another particular technique you talked about shifting your throat? And we're going to do that, you know, mm-hmm. in a few minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have one more because whenever life happens, whether it is a, a tragedy like a death or whether it's just a, a change like in jobs, right, which is still a tragedy that can be really, yeah. really mm-hmm. difficult. Um, I think what happens is, and I didn't expect this to be a side effect of grief, but I lost my confidence. And, you know, even when I was married, I was a very confident person. I've still felt very independent, if you will. You know, it's not like my entire identity was wrapped up in my husband and we love that about each other. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was 
kind of like, why, you know, where did this come from? And so I had to rebuild my confidence. And so what I used are confidence checkpoints. So Mm, this is a phrase that I've coined because what I've recognized is when we can look back at times where we did push through, where we, you know, did cry and didn't die, <laughs> when we did, you know, uh, uh, do something that was uncomfortable or we stretched our talents or our abilities, when we can look back at those moments, it fuels us to keep moving forward in the current moment of doubt or stress or overwhelm. So, you know, early on, it was really small things like I got up and took a shower today (laughs) and I actually ate some vegetables and not just Ben and Jerry's all day. Uh, But then when I became an entrepreneur, um, you know, one part of my story is I started from ground zero. We didn't have any life insurance or social security or anything. So I literally started from ground zero building my business. Mm. And so I did have a little bit of money from the sale of our home that I then invested in web developers that failed me, three different mm. web developers that failed oh. me. So I had to teach myself how to build a website. Right. That was my first big confidence checkpoint. Because if you look at my website now, you will see like that is all me. I've built every single thing, every marketing material, every, you know, ebook, every piece of the way. I mean, that is so I've used that to say, okay, something seems really hard in my business, or I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, even doing the TED talk, like that is a confidence checkpoint. Whenever I'm feeling nervous about getting in front of an aud- nervous about getting in front of an audience, I'm thinking, no, Karen, you can do this. And so, a really good way to do that is a lot of people talk about a gratitude journal. And, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who use those, and those are also really great ways to shape your brain, but your confidence checkpoints. And if you can keep that in a journal, yeah. that is really going to help to rebuild your, your self-worth. And it's going to help you to feel like no matter what's in front of me, look, I'm looking at my track record. Yeah. I have not given up. I'm still wow. here. I'm still killing it. And I'm going to do this too. Love it. Oh, that is so awesome because sometimes you forget about the past. You know how they're always telling us, don't remember about the past. Don't go fishing to the back of your life, but you can use the past. You know, everything works for your good, like the Bible says. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you can just use that to guide you to the next step and to the next step to see what the strengths that you have that you might have forgotten about. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That was like an aha moment for me right now. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, yesterday I was doing this recording and I woke up not feeling good and I, you know, pulled out my tools like, okay, let me make sure I eat breakfast and I get some vegetables. I drink some water, do some jumping jacks. And so I actually journaled that I started off feeling horrible yesterday. I felt sick. Like I thought that I was going to be down for the rest of the day, but I had enough sense to pull out the tools that I know work. And at the end, end of the podcast, they were like, Oh my gosh, your energy was so we would have never known that you were sick. And for me, that's a small win, but that shows me that Karen, you know how to take care of yourself and you know how to show up and continue to deliver this message. Yeah. I feel that people, because of technology nowadays, they have forget to journal things. That's, that's why people don't think they accomplish anything in life mm-hmm. because they don't journal to be able to see it tangible. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, like, that's why you, you write goals and you write your vision and, and, and you journal so that you can see what you have done and feel it tangible. And there's a connection when you actually write from the brain to the, to the thing, you know, to the hands, there's a connection that you keep it more. You, you uh, are able to remember more. 
Yes, and you're retaining that information. Yes, retaining yes. more of that information. Mm-hmm. So that is excellent to, to do that. So that I will say that I would kind of uh, cheat a little bit because I, I would write a lot in the beginning, but then my thoughts were moving so fast that I did have to type. So I just use Google Docs and it it depends on where I am, but I feel like if you're so overwhelmed because the words are coming very fast and rapidly, technology could be your friend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're writing it down. You know, we like to write. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's true. Well, and, and there's one thing I have to say, because it's been a little while, but you know, when I have, was going through times where I was really angry about something, really upset about something, handwriting, you can't really do this on a, on, on a keyboard, but I was able to write really hard and really big. And you could see on my handwriting where I was in my anger process. Yes. That's so true. Yeah. That's very true. So, yeah. Um, so there are many ways and it all depends on what's going to work for you. And, and, but, you know, when you mentioned about the PowerPoint, you know, I, um, the, the, the confidence, confidence checkpoints. Tech mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, that is also a modality a tool that we use in EMDR. First, we're going to release the old stuff, but then we're going to take one of some strengths and then really, really, um, uh, shine the light on that and make the brain make those connections Mm -hmm. so that that becomes our go-to. And um, so it's powerful. It is. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, I wonder if maybe we, before we run out of time, um, go ahead. I don't know how long your exercise is, uh, but I really would like, you know, for us to be able to do that. Yes. The stop and shift. Stop and shift. Let's stop and shift. <laughs> All right. So, so the first thing, as I mentioned earlier, is being aware of the thoughts that are in your head. So right now you can just pick something that has been gnawing at you, something that has made you feel like, and I'll, I'll use a personal example. When I'm on vacation at my sister's house, sometimes I'm telling my inner critic is telling myself, you're not getting enough done. Mm-hmm. You should be spending more time. Doing it. So choose whatever thought has kind of just been gnawing at you. Now, when you're looking at that thought, separate it from yourself just like this. Imagine that you are sitting on the bank of a river and you're looking out at the water. You can even see across to the other shoreline. But what you notice in the water are sticks that are floating by. Those sticks, those are your thoughts. So you can literally disconnect from your thoughts so that they are not owning or defining you. Hmm. And now that you have separated yourself, you can watch them go. You can silence them on purpose. So whatever thought has been gnawing at you, are either one of you willing to share what that thought is? Uh, one, go ahead, Aida. Oh, mine is uh, procrastination, you know, like, like uh, not doing things as fast as I wanted to. And I always feel like, uh, oh my God, Aida, you should have done this you know, earlier, you should have done this earlier. That's the thought you should have done it earlier, you know? Mm -hmm. So now I want you to consider this. Remember shift stands for see hope intentions, facts, and then new thoughts. If you were to choose any one of those hope intentions or facts to switch from you're a procrastinator, you're not getting it done. Why aren't you? You should have, which of those three would you shift to hope intentions or facts? I think intentions, I need to get, you know, get to work, you know, do what I have to do because, you know, I'm hopeful that I know I have the ability and the capability of doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that the fact is that if I don't do what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not going to get to where I want to be. That's true. So I just have to write my intentions and follow it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Do mm-hmm. the work. That's right. That's right. And another way that you could look at your intentions is to say, am I really trying to slack off in life or have I been overwhelmed with some other things and this took the back burner? Because now that is talking to yourself with grace and compassion. Sometimes we think that's what we don't do, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would also encourage you to look at the facts, which go back to, have you had a lot on your plate? And that's why these things have fallen to the wayside. Has life happened? Because that's what happens with me while I'm here visiting my family is that I am hands-on with my niece and my nephews. I am helping my sister to make sure that she has, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law to make sure they have extra help around the house. And for me, that investment of love and time is equally as important as the work that I'm trying to get done on in front of a laptop. So the facts are, and the intentions are that you are just dealing with a lot of life and maybe you have procrastinated in a little bit in in some areas. Mm -hmm. But once you recognize that your intentions are good and that the facts are just that life happens, then your new thoughts could be what? Okay. So it was positive that I spent, because literally that's what happened to me. Like these three weeks I had my granddaughter and I wanted to be mindful and present for my granddaughter and enjoy her because she don't live in this state and I'm not going to spend too much time. So I let go a lot of things, like my posting and, and a lot of things that I do in a daily basis. And I get out of that and I had certain things that I have put, you know, do days for myself, not that anybody else. Sure, sure, sure. And I didn't get there. So I know it's like, I was feeling like it's going to put me behind. But now that you explain it that way, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, it is important what I, the legacy that I leave with my granddaughter. That's correct. You know, the real time that I spend with her and that she enjoy herself, that she's not here watching me work and doing nothing. She's only That's seven years old. And it's right. funny, wouldn't be on the go all the time, you know? Yep. And so that's your, exactly new what thoughts, I your new thoughts are not, you are lazy and you've been procrastinating. You're never going to get anywhere, right? You've let that go. Your exactly. new thoughts are that I showed up great as grandma. I did what I, and I feel good about that. And now, okay, let's get back into gear, right? Exactly. <laughs> that feels that so much better than that. Already. <laughs> yeah. It will shift your energy. It will create, yeah. you know, new grooves in your brain that help you to be productive and not pessimistic. Exactly. And with that, Karen, how can people get a hold of you real quick? Yes. If they go on to KarenMillsap.com and that's Millsap with two L's and people always misspell it, but you can contact me. You can get the heal method. You can even sign up for my seven day soul cleanse. And the very first day, the habit I give you is stop and shift. It's free. You know, again, I have a huge heart of giving, so you can go online and get a ton of free resources. That's awesome. And Ida, super quick, how can people get a hold of you? You can go to my Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com backslash RX number four everlasting health. Or you can go to my website, which is www.rxforeverhealth.com. And uh, go to our face, Shift Happens Facebook page, but we'll, uh, we'll have it all there. Next week, we are uh, having a pre-record with Raven Keys and Dr. Feldman, who uh, are doing incredible work with Medical Reiki Works, raising funds to do research and make that available to everybody, hopefully, because that is also a powerful method. And Karen, 
Thank you so much for coming on here. This was amazing and great information. And I know our listeners are going to take, have a lot of takeaways. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. Good. Good. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shift Happens. Please join host Karin Weary and her guest co-host for another edition of our program next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We wish you continued success as you discover the true you.